Coming Up Next Time podcast is brought to you in part by Built to Ride. Head over to builttoride.ca and pick up some coffee or apparel. Use the exclusive listener code COMEUP when you check out for an additional 20% off your order. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Barry Moore. My next guest is a beta ambassador and X-Games athlete, one of the humblest guys in the sport. He was a 2009 Canadian Trials champion. In the 2013 Enduro Cross Series, he raced every round, open amateur, vet, and expert, and the hopes to qualify. He made it two times and placed 19th and 18th. Coming up next, this is Stephen Ford. So how you doing, man? I'm good. You can good. Hear, hear me and everything. And okay. is the headphones. Oh yeah, yeah, can hear ya. Okay, I'm gonna hit record here just so I don't good? forget. Yeah. Hey, do you work at um uh whatever the, the the dealership down there, Jack Carter? Do I work there? Yeah. No, no. Okay. I'm I'm a plumber pipe fitter. Oh, same plumber pipe fitter here. There's a lot of us. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So I just sent you yeah. an invite. Oh, no, I thought you worked there or something. Because, um, like, you, I don't know, showcase that space a fair amount. And then, like, uh, um, when Sam King had his sort of, like, exhibition day, it was down there. And yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was helping him set up and break down because we had to go to one, two, three different uh, – Three different um, showrooms to do that. Oh wow! That um, so I helped him set up and uh, break down the ramp on his truck and run the bike and help run the bikes around and everything. Okay, so that was pretty good. Yeah, we started in the Jack Quarter Power Sport South dealership. Then we went to the. There's a big. It's just a Cadillac, um, like car. Um, showroom, and it's up by where all the Ferrari and Lamborghinis are. I think it's the only one in, only one in Canada, maybe North America. That's that's this style of Cadillac okay. showroom. So he couldn't actually do it in the showroom because the ceiling heights were too low. So he was doing the backflip in the service um, bay. Yeah, it. That's crazy. So we've done that. Yeah, and look around there. Holy cow! They got some cars in there. Some money's worth. They actually hooked his. Um, when he done it there, that was a hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollar Cadillac Escalade. They they put that ramp against. Holy fuck! I guess they don't care. It's for the picture. Well, it it hooks into the the tow hitch. Yeah, yeah, but if things go wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but they were made up with it, and then we went to a Jack Carter, just a normal car place they got in the south there, which okay. does um, a number of GMC and a number of um, mates kind of thing. So nice. it was pretty good, yeah. So they were pretty pumped about that. And yeah, but now I don't work for them. So. Oh, okay. I just thought. Just a lot because I know Dave, Dave, who's the manager there as well. I've known him since I got in the country. And um, he's always been, he used to work for uh, Soccer Works um, down in Okotoks. Mm-hmm. And he's always just been really just looked after me. Uh, and I, I never rode the bikes for cyclists, never rode a bike what they dealed in. Uh, but they're always good to me. They always done us deals on clothing or boots or 
bits and pieces oil and that. So all we've got on with him. And then yeah, he's the manager there and that's, uh, that's kinda pretty cool. It's sort <laughs> yeah, it's of weird. Cool. Like um I don't know, like cycle work seems to be a, a pillar of the local riding community. Like they, they yeah, they they they've done good, they've got themselves a good following. They they yeah, a lot of that is also um, I don't know if you have um oh it's come up. Uh, you know, Alison? Uh, no, not like I mean, some no, of the people no. I know just to talk to them, but I don't know anybody's names. Oh, like, right, I'm so. really shit at like I don't know. Well, no, yeah. just um, in cycle with Calgary, Allison's the person everybody knows, the off road community knows. Okay, uh, she she's pretty involved with a lot of it. She she comes out riding, um, even on her, even if you ask her, she'll never say she's a like a, a great rider, but she's such a nice person she looks after you and um yeah she's just a great person nice just, oh there we go you're up and running okay yeah it looks like it anyway i'll hit record here <laughs> uh please no better yeah it's better you're a little less shifty right yeah i mean we All can right. always do it with the phone but it's just me always yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you personally are not less shifty. Just the the image <laughs> that I see is not so bad. Uh, so you you've been you've been on two wheels just since, ever since you come to the country. Is that what you're basically saying? Like, when did you get started? Yeah, on, on, um, on... I've been riding. What's that? Oh, go go ahead. You you're gonna oh. say. Yeah, I really started motorcycling when I was eight. Okay. So uh, I've been riding for two years now. Um, yeah. Started, yeah, started in trials, done trials. All the time I was in the UK, except for the last, I think, five years when I started converting over to Enduro and then moved here in um, 2009. Oh, okay. And ridden trials. 2009, I won the world. Uh, won, uh, won the Canadian Trials Championship. Okay. Um, and then I've always carried on with trials, but trials hasn't been a major thing when I'm here. And then um, being on the big bikes, doing enduro, um, extreme stuff, enduro cross, anything really off-road on, on the big bike kind of thing. So That's sweet. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've done. I'm 50 now. So got a little bit of experience behind us but it's it's like anything it's just if you put the work in you get the rewards so um i've put a lot of work in so that's the only reason i've got where i am and uh, um like the results at the races and and all that stuff because i've pushed myself to get those results i seem to have a little bit of, it's the only thing in life i'm really really comp- competitive and want to like be pretty selfish and and want to win. Yeah. Um, work on that I do, but it's mainly to do the pay for the racing <laughs> or riding. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, but even even yeah. now after the accidents I've had, once I get back out there again, we'll start in hard. But it, uh, but it's always enjoying. I don't mind racing or just going out for a ride with a group of friends or anything. It's just getting out on the bike and enjoying. Enjoying getting out on the bike kind of thing. It's um, it, 
it's just at the minute I'm finding it's a bit, it's a, once I start getting back out, I started getting on the mountain bike because of the accidents. I'm not allowed to ride. Yeah. Even getting out of those two weeks has given me that sense of, uh, it, it's strange to say, you can't really explain to people unless they've done dirt biking. And when you've done dirt biking, they sort of know what, you, what you're on about because they're stupid enough to pay all that money for a dirt bike and all the gear and drag themselves into the woods. Yeah. It's... For some reason, otherwise it's big waste of money in the world. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, um, uh, oh, shit. Your friend Dirt Bike Al just got in touch with me. He's uh, <laughs> apologizing for the late reply on... Uh, oh, good. Yeah, so uh, I'll get to that later. Uh, but he, he, I'm interested he's, to talk he's to him. He's going through a lot. He's gone through a lot. Like he'll be... Yeah, it'll be a good story for you. He's gone through a lot. Yeah, man. Like, um, being in a wheelchair sucks. Like, uh, you know, we all... We all this is going to be an off-color joke, but we all dream of, like, a life where we can just be on two wheels forever, and then it happens, and then oh, it, that sucks. Like, he's not the first person that I've met that, um, yeah. that's gone. Yeah, like, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it's literally there for all of us. Like, uh, when I was a street rider, um, I had a friend of mine. He just accelerated through an intersection. Uh, and a woman just blew the light and, uh, he collided with the, the frame of the car and it was a Saturn. So it just broke away and, uh, it ended up cutting his, um, the, oh, the right, tops yeah. of his arms, like right down to the bone and, arms. uh, yeah, never, never the same guy again. Like, and it just bullshit. And, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I I used to do street bikes as well. Oh, how'd you uh, how'd you find you riding those street bikes? You got to be aware of everything. Yes, like tree, tree, trees don't move onto the path, even though we sometimes think that they have. <laughs> but like <laughs> the on the street, man. <laughs> There's all they do move. Yeah, I know that they do. I know there's fucking walking trees. <laughs> like everyone's hit one because I'm sure as fuck <laughs> confident none of us aim for trees. We just end up hitting them. <laughs> like, oh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, we seem to hit them even though they're miles from them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it'll be a good story for you. He's gone through a lot. Nice. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's like the. The currency of the podcast is the story of the riders, you know, uh, but I like, that's why I don't have really have a, advertising or anything because I'm not going to profit off of people. Uh, Cause not every story is a happy one, right? Like the Vanessa rock in the beginning, her yeah. story was about colliding with a car. And then if Al comes on his story, yeah. you know, so it just yeah. sort of, I don't know, just more for just everyone to talk. You know, like, I don't know. It's weird. Well, yeah. Yeah, get there. Like, like you said, it's um, the off-road community is so diverse. Everybody's going through something or been through something. And even if it isn't, like, a major accident or something like that, you're still going through something to try and ride your bike and, and get to the goals you want. It's all in perspective of how long you've been riding and how into it. But even, like, the beginner... On a, a Yamaha TTR 
too early is still out there enjoying himself. Yeah. Up to someone like Kristen Hart, who's now KTM factory, North America, trying to go for number one. He's got there through work and grit and determination, but he's still out there riding a bike and enjoying himself. So you bet it's, it's all in the spectrum of where you, how long you've been riding and, and how far you want to push it kind of thing. Yeah, it totally is. Like, um, I can remember when my goals were simple, uh, just get through a ride without stalling the bike, <laughs> you know, and then, then it's just like, uh, <laughs> get over every tree that's on there, you know, to like getting through a loop without, without sitting just like, it's sort of, there's always like a little carrot to, to chase yeah, yeah. no matter where you're at on the, the spectrum. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just get up that next step on the ladder of riding. So, like, I know when I started, I was eight, and I was enough to start back then. But I think poor old daddy is worn out because every six foot he's picking me up because I'd fall over. There'd be a leaf, I'd fall over. There'd be a twig, I'd fall over. Yeah, but you're and all day just walking around picking me up, putting me back on the bike. Another six foot fall over, and that was the whole like. That's the routine. First real ride and had a competition at a trial. Oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, hey. <laughs> he must have been sweating buckets just walking around. Oh, man. Uh, I remember uh, my son's first um, whatever peewee race with uh, the second gear club. He was on an O-set, uh, so he could only ride for 35 to 40 minutes oh, yeah. of a 40-minute loop, right? So he's not going to not gonna finish. So we're just like, whatever, just go at your own. And yep. there's this other dad who yep. had a, a daughter on an OSET, but she couldn't keep it upright. So he basically ran the peewee course holding her up basically. the whole way. Like, um, so like at the end, like, this guy needs beer and, and, and first prize plate or something like, cause like, fuck better man than me. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but he, he I, I expected to maybe push the kid around one. It. Yeah. Just, Fuck, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> so yeah, being a dad or even a mom with a kid in moto, uh, there's some sweat equity that's going to go into their their first couple of seasons. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. My my dad, he he he, even when we were back up into the like the when I was like 14 and that would go up and do the nationals, he used to walk around the whole course. Not because I kept falling over it, just because he wanted to watch us and see how I'm doing. And we we're up at, up at, um, up north in England, called Bradford. Holy cow, we were up in the hills there, and it was. He, I was surprised he could drive home. We were going up hill, and you get up to the top of the hill, and then you see another one as big, kind of thing. And he'd take all these hills, done the whole loop, and followed me around, kind of thing. And there's me on a motorbike, just enjoying life and. Like third gear up these hills, enjoying it. Come on, Dad, let's go. I'm 14, and poor old Dad's just put up at half five to drive up there in the morning, and then he's got to drive home afterwards. He's hiking around this place. Ah, oh, poor old fella. But he did, he did enjoy doing that kind of thing. So yeah, it was. He, he had a big. Dad was a big influence over us. Um, we got into the dirt biking because my cousin, um, my uncle. I wanted to get my cousin into it because he was getting into a bad crowd. And so I got into it as well. Trials, we got old TY80, second hand, and that's how we started kind of thing. 
So I rode around Farmer's Field, got sort of gist of it. And like I said, went to the first competition, couldn't do anything, fell over everywhere and just sort of got a bit of a book, got going. And, um, and we're still as excited to get out on the bike. Yeah, well, one of the trials bike or the big bike now, but dad supported us all the way through. Um, and when we come over, he still supported us. Uh, he didn't, he didn't enjoy the enduro as much because he didn't see me as much, but he was always there if I needed him for pitting or, or whatever. And then, yeah, and then like the March just gone, we lost him. So it's been a big of a bit of a big effect on me, um, riding wise. Um, I know we aren't doing the competition there, but it's going to be strange when we do go to the competitions. Um, he wasn't always there, but I knew he'd always have my back and um, and support us. So it's going to be a little bit strange. We've now lost Dad, but but we're still going. But it's strange even now that still you still get that little bit of excitement that you load when you're loading the bike to get out for a ride and. Um, see what you can challenge yourself with so it's um it's always an evolving sport it's always you're never at the top if you look at the top boys like graham jarvis or or johnny walker and that they're always pushing themselves for the next step and that's everybody on the two wheels on out in the bush kind of thing we're all pushing ourselves even if it's little steps or like them them people they're they're working on big stuff to keep themselves number one kind of thing so oh heck yeah you've always just got to keep pushing yourself and keep going yeah <laughs> one of the the talents that i see through instagram and things is uh this kid will do like a whatever 100 foot uh jump on the motocross track land on the back wheel and just carry on riding like in a wheelie and just like holy christ next level wheelie yeah <laughs> like i i don't even think yeah I, yeah there's some in skills yeah, because he when they do those big jumps and land in a endo. Yes. Oh yeah. Like holy Christ, because it's all the forward <laughs> momentum. Like I already know what my my ending would look like. I'd fucking be ass over tea kettle. Well, yeah. <laughs> Same here, but it's uh, that's a big commitment because the speed they're going just to make that big jump. Yeah. If it goes wrong, you're you're not just landing on the ground. You're stumbling for a hundred. Really stupid. Yeah, man, and like the front wheel is <laughs> oh, well, like just a washout. Just a washout would be like the end of the world. But again, we like it's Instagram, oh. so it's fake. We just oh, see, that'd, be a, that'd be a face plant. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, we only see the successes. We don't see the the fuck ups as much. <laughs> like you know, how many times did he practice that one yeah. before he got? Yeah, it? as as we. He's got to be. He's got to be doing that those times. But as as riders, we know the consequences, and we know that isn't usually just a one shot take. Yeah, it's taking a lot of dedication and practice. And how many how many hours has he been building up to that? Agreed. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's impressive. Just, yeah. And and then most people are just like, you know, hit the like button yeah. and then they go. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you watch any of the top boys on two wheels, even the road race boys, MotoGP, stuff like that. The the skill involved of keeping those bikes under control. Yeah. So um, like like we just when you just go up to the Calgary track and watch those, watch the boys out on the 
the pro track. You know, I can't, I can't do all that, but I know if you put the hours in, you can. Yeah. But that's the thing. Those boys have put the hours in and now they're, they're reaping the rewards kind of thing. I think so. There's no quick, there's no quick way of getting so. good on a dirt bike. No. You've got to put the hours in it, into it. Yeah. The only thing, uh, I think there's some shortcuts, um, in ways like getting coaching, uh, reading, uh, things like that so that you can sort of get through all the trial and error stuff, uh, you know, sort of get caught up to a basically a baseline. Um, but then from there, it doesn't matter. Like you still have to yeah. do everything. But like, yeah, the, the longest possible way is just to buy a bike and never yeah. talk to anybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, with the coaching and that, it, it just, like you said, it's it's – a little bit of a shortcut, but even if you get someone and you go to a coaching or someone helps you or whatever, it's still not an instant um, result. You've still got to put the hours in. They can give you the tips and tricks and everything else because I do quite up and fit and everything. And I can only guide people and, and um, show them the easier way them to go over off schools or how to ride a bike in the end it's still even though i've shown them they still got to do hours of practicing that because it's, it's become a, something you do without thinking about that's how it makes it easier for riding yeah so that's the thing you've got to put the hours in so it's it's second nature and you haven't got to think about because all the time you're thinking about it that's when you usually fuck up fuck up on the on the trail because you're your mind's not just onto the flow of the trail. You're thinking, oh, I've got to do this with my clutch, this with my body weight, this with my weight in my pegs and everything. Yeah. And everything's too quick, and that's when it all mucks up. Yeah. Even if you've gone coaching, they've, they've given you the tips. Not, oh, I've left the go. I know what I'm doing after just an hour coaching with someone. I'm good. Let's go. You've still got to go and you know, dedicate hours onto that one part of, right, of riding. So... It's kind of a thing, eh? Like, but it, I mean, you said it right there. Like, you can show them the easier way over. Like, learning how to do things the easy way is beneficial. <laughs> like, that's worth the uh, the cost of coaching, right there. Like, oh yeah, driving um, yeah. at one of yeah, those it's... log walls, fucking full speed, without knowing that you should get a little bit, <laughs> get your tire off the ground or whatever, versus yeah. just like going over your yeah. forks because you just saw some guy. Like, yeah, because the way the way it looks when some people yeah, do it and the way it is, a lot of it's happening faster than the eye can pick up. And uh, so it looks as if they just drive right into the wall, go up over and whatever. But they're really like playing with the geometry. Like, yeah, it's it's very deceiving because when you watch the good people, it looks so easy. So like you watch the worst person ever I rode with. And I know him, know him well. I've known him since he started Charles Graham Jarvis because he's just so smooth and he doesn't rev the bike. So when we used to do the like the national trials in the UK, you could actually be riding next to him or someone like Dougie Lampkin or Sam uh, Steve Colley, and you ride against. And Graham was the worst because he was just so smooth, and you just um, you'd walk in this rocky section, and he'd go up there, and it'll be it'll be so slow and no revving of the bike and it'll be just it'll look so easy 
he, he just made it look so easy. And then you think, oh, that's all right. I can get up there and you'll get like two foot up. <laughs> and you're upside down with the bike on top of you. And you go, well, how the hell did that work? So he was the worst one. I hated it. I only, I, I'd done it one trial. I got stuck next to him. And it was, I had the worst result ever kind of thing because I kept thinking, oh, he's only just just got up that. It looked like nothing. And it wasn't. For him, it was like a first gear, no revving. So it was like third gear pinned on the trials bike to get up there. That's crazy. Yeah. When you do the coaching, it's good because the coach should be able to do it a bit slower and break down and make you watch certain parts of the body. Yeah. And also find when I do coaching, um, a lot of people don't use their ears. They don't listen to what the bike's doing as well, how it's revving. Okay. So that's a bit of an important thing when you do do coaching is to um, actually listen to what the bike's doing while they're showing you the technique. And it's funny because when you tell people, oh, I'm going to go riding this weekend, they go, oh, and they think you just sit on a bike and twist the throttle and away you go around the woods. They don't understand even how technical it is, how much you've got to put, how much coordination it takes to control. Yeah, it's... The throttle, in the center of gravity, etc., etc. Yeah, it, people just think, oh, you're just going to sit on the bike and you just pull around sitting around and you don't really do anything. You just, what's the point? Until you actually do it and you know the challenges. And like you said, you you started in your 40s and it's it's funny really because like when you, you, you're quite a bit more sensible. You know what I started was when I was like eight. Yeah. And worked all the way through any problems because it was well, mum and dad are there to look after me. I'm only going to school, so if I break anything on me, what's the point? I'll be a hero when I go to school in a plaster cast if anything like that happened. I haven't got to pay a mortgage or a car loan or whatever. Yeah. Where now you've got to think, well, if this goes wrong, <laughs> we've, got to, we've got some payments we've got to sort out when I'm not earning any money. Oh, God, yeah, man. <clears throat> like uh, the old mindset changes on the bike. You bet. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's just different, like, riding as an older guy versus riding as a young guy. I remember when I was yeah. young and riding my sport bike, learning how to stunt. Um, I, like you said, uh, when you were eight, you didn't give a shit. <laughs> you hit the ground. No. I never cared. I never, it wasn't even on my radar. Like, that's just how much different it was. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's it's on your radar now. <laughs> like, Oh, it's, it's definitely on, on the radar, yeah, because... Suddenly you've got to do adult things, which it sucks a bit, but yeah, but it's, <laughs> it is what it is. And since like the accident, it's on the radar because I don't want to carry on with any more concussion or um, or even neck stuff. I've got to I've got to watch out. So when I got back riding after the accident in September, I got signed off fit for work and everything, and we got back riding. That was the biggest thing was. Um, trying not to fall off anywhere and and getting whiplash or cracking cracking my head or anything like that. So it really put a whole different perspective on my riding. So so it was um it's been a bit of it was a bit of a struggle then to get over it. And now I've been I got signed off again because they found something else wrong with me. Then we had another car accident. So it's going to be a bit of work in progress when we do get back riding. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, 
uh, but, um, oh, go ahead. Oh no, but it's just it's one of the things. I just got to get over it and um, get back, get back in the saddle when they let me. Yeah, and then um, it's it's going to be more of a. I know physically I'm not as fit as I was because I can't get to the gyms, blah blah blah. Yeah, but um, it's going to be physically hard, but and that's going to be the biggest thing because like when you're riding a bike. Um, it's it's going to be. I know I'm not physically strong, so I'm always going to be worried that um, something's going to like give when I try something try something too hard, and then I'm going to be on the ground, and then that's going to not help my recovery. So it's it's going to be a big confidence thing. It's going to be a big mental game when we get back on the bike. I know that, that I know I've got that coming, but we'll we'll work on it when I'm allowed back on the bike and. Um, we hopefully it won't take long to get back up to speed and get that confidence back, but the confidence will come with riding and getting the strength back. So, yeah, so we just gotta get on it and get back to work, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, once you start showing yourself that you can do it, you'll have faith in yourself, yeah. and then it'll just yeah. be like they say, get back on the bike. <laughs> yeah, and and once I get back on the bike. Uh, bike fitness will start coming back and et cetera, et cetera. And then once that fitness starts coming back, the confidence will come back because I know I can I can hold on to the bike or um, control the bike in difficult situations. And, and that's when when you start doing bigger and better things kind of thing. So, but it's, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough, tough mental battle because so, of the, the concussion and that I went through with this second car accident. So um, we're still trying to get over the, the after effects of that because been having a lot of anxiety and trying to get a bit of depression and everything. So, but getting on the mountain bike and going for some rides up by up the Bow River and that has been really alleviating that because, you know, doctors and that, they want to put you on pills. But yeah. I, I don't want to go on those antidepressant pills or anything like that. So, we're going to just get on that mountain bike and ride and trying to get myself cleared and then get on the dirt bike. And I know I'll be good. So um, we'll, we're just waiting for that now. (laughs) Antidepressant pills can be depressing. I knew a guy named Brad and uh, he was on them because he was always sad. Right. And, uh, and then he's at his breaking point because he was um, artificially happy. All right, yeah. You know, and then, so that made him sad. And then he, then he's just like, there's yeah. nothing they can do for me now because, like, taking the pills makes me sad. And uh, he was chemically altered to a point where it was hard for him just to make his own, like, make the chemicals himself. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it's just sort of like, and then even though he felt technically happy, uh, he was smart enough to be sad because that happy was fake. Like, yeah. Yeah. Know, so it just sort of, and it just depends on the mindset, yeah. I guess. He probably just really wanted to be sad, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty minor. Like that first accident of mine, I didn't get any depression or anything. But then again, I I had a bit of concussion, but that was from the um, from just being rolled down the road, kind of thing. Yeah. So so yeah so um but this second one we got rear-ended in February this year got rear-ended hard in Melissa's truck. And I really did smack my head hard and really been having trouble with my head. Okay. Um, like I said, with, with um, 
um, concussion with the headaches and just feeling dizzy. And it's just, it, it's strange because I've had concussion. I've knocked myself out numerous times on the dirt bike. It's just one of those things you accept with a dirt bike. You, you pay your money for for a decent crash helmet because that's what you do. Yeah. You don't you don't cheap out on a crash helmet or boots. And um, like for years on the big bike, I'd just go to the closeout um, sale on the shops or online and buy clothes because if it's three, four years old, it doesn't matter. It's still new in a packet. It might not be the latest colors or anything, but I always spent my money on boots and crash helmets kind of thing because they're the bits. What's really going to say with a, or you could ride in tracksuit bottoms and a, and a hoodie. Yeah. It's the same as riding gear, but it's so expensive. So, so that's what I always used to do. But but this one, this rear ender in February, that's that's affected me the most. It's um, it's really like altered. Um, I don't know whatever in my head, and that's where, uh, like I said, anxiety and depression was coming in. And I, like when I was like when you interviewed Jared, he had that big off. And he was saying the same thing about the anxiety and that just from the compression um, concussion. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's you don't know until it happens to you. But yeah, it's not nice. <laughs> I can imagine. I could imagine just being a different version of yourself, like or or yeah. unreasonable panic, like because uh, that's what anxiety is for me. It's just like yeah, uh, yeah, same thing like a phobia. You know, it's. You're feeling yeah. anxious and all that. It just makes no sense as to why, you know, and just, no, yeah. no, no, you can't, yeah, you can't relate to why, why you got this feeling kind of thing. So it, it, I think that's the thing also, it's just, you're it's sort of out of control yeah, kind of thing. You haven't got any control over it. Like when I had that first accident, yeah, I had a pretty clear plan. So that's how come I didn't get too down about it. Cause I knew three months in a halo. If I was a good boy, halo would come off. And then it'll be like three months in the neck brace. If I was a good boy, that'll come off. Then they'd sign me off and I could get fit, start riding, get back to work, get back to life kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I always had those goals. COVID mucked them up quite a bit. Um, right. On my time scales, I kept had to put times about. So I had the accident in August 2019, September 2020, I was back to work kind of thing. So I could have, if COVID then hit and I could have, got to the physio and chiropractor and concussion clinic, everything before I might have been back to work earlier, kind of back to work and back riding earlier. But um, we got a bit mucked up with that. But yeah, I had clear cut sort of dates in my mind, which always kept me driving forward. But this second one, the second accident we had February this year, the way it's mucked my head up, it, it, you never know. You can't get a clear um like date or time scale because it's to do with the brain. So they don't really know I'm going to like concussion clinic and really they you show them, you, you do the symptoms and that, but it's like they give you exercise and stuff to try and um, get the concussion out of you. But it's still at the end of the day, it's still a, a brain problem, which is still limited knowledge kind of thing. Yeah. It's... Or limited what, limited what they can do. Yeah, it's not as well understood as a muscle group, like. Well, a broken bone's easy, isn't it? Yeah, you either pin it or cast it and keep it in place and eat the right food and vitamins, and it should grow back. But the brain, it's a, 
a little bit more technical up there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but at least it proves I have a brain. That I was, was going to say, was a yeah. Big, you, big plus out of it. Because <laughs> there's there's some doubt beforehand that they would find anything if they looked up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be a pee in a big pool of water in the skull kind of thing. Yeah, like the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, That's it, yeah. So, do you, if, you, if you don't mind, do you want to talk about your first accident? Cause no, the, I don't mind at all. All right. Uh, so what what took place? Like, how did how did that happen? Like, uh... so we we've been riding. I'd ride with a couple of mates at McLean. Uh, come out of South McLean. If, if if you know the area, you know the road. Yeah. Uh, and we come out there, and um, I was driving. I was driving by myself. Luckily, luckily, I did offer to pick up the two mates I was riding with, but luckily they were they come in their truck, so they weren't. <laughs> which was lucky otherwise they would have been in the van with me fair so yeah just, just coming home um coming to uh it's one of the intersections um on the way out of south mclean i think it's a seven seven fifty but don't quote me on that the road okay there's i've got the right away they're supposed to stop i was coming along saw this silver ram going way too quick coming up to the junction um and so in that split second, I actually thought if I hit the brakes, they're coming in my door, in my driver's door, which I didn't really fancy a Ram 1500 coming into my door at speed. Yeah, no doubt. So I thought, I'm not going to survive that one. So I actually accelerated and actually arced sort of um, to the right into the, because it was a crossroads into the right turn road to try and get around the front of them. So I thought if they, when they see me and slam the brakes on, I'll sneak through. Yep. And it'll be just one of those things where you ever swear up because of these idiots who aren't paying attention. But um, no, she didn't even see anything of me and she clipped the last like eight inches of my van. Oh, wow. Which slewed the arse round on me and we went on the, on the side. So we're going down the road on the side of the van, passenger side on the road. And I, I remember I was sitting there thinking, going, holy cow, someone's going to die when I get out of this because I'm going to punch the crap out of someone for destroying my van and hitting me like that. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. We must have, I don't know, we started rolling. So we went, we were on the side. So we went roof, my side, wheels. And then, holy cow, we clipped something. And then we done two, two rolls in the air. Then, yeah, then it was blackout kind of thing because... In the end, it landed on the roof right. in the ditch, kind of thing. So it, um, it crushed this, the roof. It was a high roof sprinter I, I was driving, and the roof was touching the steering wheel, and I was pinned upside down, um, just pinned in there, couldn't move. Um, yeah, never been anything so noisy. I imagine. I was, I I will admit I was screaming at the top of my lungs and I couldn't hear myself with the noise of all the metal and glass and everything moving. Yeah. And that was that was one of the biggest surprising things was just how noisy it was. Um I couldn't believe it. Um my left arm left hand come off the steering wheel and it took all my strength to actually bring my hand down to my knee to hold onto my trousers so my arm didn't go out the window. Okay. And all and all my strength to hold, keep a right hand on the steering wheel. Um, yeah, and then when we landed, um, I didn't get knocked out, but everything went black because I didn't realize I was upside down. I didn't realize I was in a ditch. 
and the roof was where it was. Um, but all I remember was I couldn't move anything, couldn't breathe, couldn't move anything. And I thought, and I just sat there and, and I just sat there and cried. And I thought, what a shitty way to die. And the thing, the strangest thing I got from it was I wasn't afraid of dying, which I was surprised. I was really, really surprised. I wasn't scared of actually dying. I was just really annoyed that I was going to die in a ditch or in a car accident like that. And I was never going to see um, Melissa, the parents, the sister, my niece and nephew, all, all the friends. And it, and it, and that's the biggest thing what upset me. I wasn't upset and crying because I was going to die. I was upset because I wasn't going to see these people again. I get it. And I thought, what a what a crappy way, what a crappy way to go. So yeah, so I said, and I don't know how long. You know, it um, like they say, time is no concept. So I could have only cried maybe five seconds. It could have been fifteen, but I wasn't breathing. But what had happened was because. My jaw, my chin had hit my chest so hard it actually winded myself. Okay. So, and then as I was sitting there crying, just, just, I didn't know I was upside down, but I was just like sitting there crying because of that. Um, I actually caught a breath. And then instantly I thought, holy cow, I'm getting out of this. If I'm breathing, I can get out of this. So I sat there and got my breathing going. And then um, I still couldn't feel any of my arms or legs. Um, for some reason. So once we started breathing, then we started getting some feeling in my legs and in my right arm, my left arm, I couldn't feel. And then I was worried that my arm had actually got torn off. Okay. And then someone actually come over because I started shouting for help. Um, and someone come over and they, they, they introduced themselves and I said, I don't give a fuck who you are. I said, you've got to find my arm. <laughs> And they said, what do you mean? I said, my left arm, I can't feel it. I've ripped my left arm off. You've got to find it. I don't know why, what they were going to do if they found me. Yeah. I was going to bleed out, but I I was desperate that someone would find my arm. And he reached in and grabbed and touched me on my shoulder. He goes, can you feel that? I said, yeah, I can feel that, but I can't feel anything else. He goes, that's your arm. And somehow it got twisted like backwards and round behind the seat. Okay. So he sort of grabbed it and, and pulled it back so it's sort of normal. And then, yeah, the blood flow started coming so I could start feeding the arm. And then, um, yeah, I still didn't realize I was upside down. Nobody would tell me. And it was still dark. And I kept my eyes closed because my eyes were full of so much dust and crap. I imagine. That I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move to wipe them. And I, I didn't want to because I thought well, there'd be a load of glass. If that's in the eyes, I don't want to start rubbing it. Um, so I sat there. And then, because my legs had come back, I started, they kept falling, like, towards me with the gravity. Yeah, of course. So, so I was sitting there doing it a few times, and I shouted out, I said, am I upside down? And they said, yeah, you're upside down. I said, fuck, get me out of here. And they said, we can't. And I said, and I, I started getting annoyed because they wouldn't get me out. But, like, the two mates I was riding with, they did, they turned up, they were on the scene there's dust still, the dust was still settling and there was another car there, they said, and the girl had stopped who hit me. She was only um, early twenties. Um, and they said she was walking around like a zombie in the ditch. So they had to get her off 
like off the road and set her down. And but um, the mate said they nobody was coming towards the the van because it's such a mess. They said it's just they thought it was just a body in there. They didn't think anybody would um, survive it because it's such a mess. And then they um, heard me calling, and then they come over. But yeah, so and then yeah, I was stuck in there for fifty minutes while they got the emergency services um, waiting for the fire brigade because we were in a, a no cell zone. Luckily. Um, one of the boys had a, 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 a Garmin Enreach, and so he got the message out to the emergency services. And then, yeah, it was sort of 50 minutes because he texted Melissa. She was at work. She's a firefighter. And she said from the first text uh, to the text of him saying, I was in the meat wagon, in the ambulance, and on my way, it was 50-odd minutes. So, so yeah, but it was strange because... Uh, I was never in pain. I was just uncomfortable because my chin was just buried in my chest and I was just crumpled up. And, um, yeah, and I was just, you know, if you're in the back of one of those, like in the back of a, not a full double cab truck, they got that, like those half seats in the back. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you're sitting, and you're sitting there, you, you're pretty scrunched up to get in there and you're sitting there and you've done a trip from, say Calgary to Edmonton, you, your legs and that start, you, you just want to get out and stretch. Yeah, I understand. You, you're, not, you're not really in pain, but you're just uncomfortable. That's that's sort of how I was in there. So, yeah, so the fire engine, fire brigade come. They cut all the passenger side out because that's the only way to get in. They come in. Um, two of them crawled in, and then they cut the seatbelt off. They keep asking me a name, and I keep telling them, I know my name, just get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't the happiest of person to get saved, so I was pretty pissed <laughs> off from being upside down for so long. But in the end, they said, oh, um, do your arms and legs move? I said, yeah. So they grabbed me arms. They said, well, you're going to have to kick, and we'll pull, and we've we got to drag you out. So I kicked and pulled. They pulled me. I kicked like hell, and we got out, and then they put the neck collar on, put me on the spine board. Um, Air ambulance was busy, so they chucked me in a in a normal ambulance, and then drove me to um, uh, foothills um, for um, for what what was happening, and then yeah, so yeah, we had a um, holy cow when the adrenaline comes off. I'd, I've never had that before. The shakes I got in there, it was it was yeah. It was unbelievable how much I was shaking with the adrenaline coming out of me. So, and then, yeah, had a bit of an argument with the ambulance as well because I asked him how long, and he said 20 minutes. They were in there for ages. Yeah. He cut all the, all the like, my trousers and underwear off for some reason. I said, what are you doing that for? I said, it's my neck what hurts. It's not the legs. The legs are fine. Said, oh, no, we got So I was stripped naked in the back of this ambulance. And so we'd been riding. We'd been doing some, like, hard enduring McLean. <laughs> Of course, we'd been riding in there for like three, four hours. Yeah. Only a couple of little bottles of water I had because I didn't carry that much. And then I, I was on the way home, so I was going to go home and have something to eat, have some drink and blah, blah, blah. But I, because of this happened, I had a holy cow, I got cramped. Right, I, got cramped right, I got cramped right in my groin. So I'm screaming because this hurts so much. And the old ambulance man's going, oh, what's happening? What's happening? I said, I've got cramps. And he goes, where is it? I'll rub it out. And I said, <laughs> right in the groin. And he, he just looked at me. I said, yeah, 
But you wish you never cut my fucking underwear off now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Poor so, fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. And so he had to massage the, the, the cramp out because it was really severe. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then I got the adrenaline drop, which took the shakes. And then, yeah. yeah, we were in there and done all that. And I said, how long is it? We're nearly there. I said, it must be 20 minutes. He goes, and he goes oh, no, another 20 minutes. I said, you said that 20 minutes ago. I said, you fucking lied to me. He goes, oh, no. I said, I'm going to sleep. And he said, no, you can't go to sleep. I said, no, I'm tired. So I went to sleep. He was, he wasn't very happy with me. So. Well, there's like two schools of thought on sleeping with a concussion, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Either you do or yeah. you don't. And the, both yeah. schools are very, but, like, into it. <laughs> he so. really didn't want me to go to sleep. But I said to him, you fucking lied to me. I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm going to sleep. So I went to sleep. So, and then, yeah, we got to the hospital. Yeah, Melissa and my sister was there. Um, Melissa was at work. And it was good. Her captain actually, they drove her to my sister's. They wouldn't let her drive. They ferried her around to my sister's in the engine. And then my sister drove her down to the hospital. They found out where we were going. Um, the actual fire department found out where I was going. Um, and then, yeah, they were there before me. They took us in and then usual procedure of getting rolled off the spine board onto bed and then rolled off the bed onto the spine board to go and x-rays. And then they got the first set of x-rays. And then nobody really wanted to touch me because of what I'd done to myself. And then luckily for me, there was a nurse who just transferred over from the emergency section. And she said, she was sort of like, well, we can't just leave and we got to do something. So every time they rolled me, holy cow, she held my head. And yeah, that hurt. but then it turned out that I'd broken my C1 in half, multiple, multiple breaks on my C2. It sort of shattered that a little bit. Uh, dislocated neck, broken shoulder, broken finger. Uh, and that, then I got pumped full of drugs and I don't really remember a lot until they were uh, putting the halo on which when they put that on they I think they actually strained up my neck to like undislocate it and yeah Melissa said they shot me shot me full with two files of um, like painkillers or whatever and I still felt uh, yeah I still felt them I still screamed and I felt that pain, and I remember that pain when they put the halo on and jacked my neck up, kind of thing, and straightened it up. Yeah. And then went for x-rays, come back, then they had to readjust me again. And, um, yeah. And then, but they said once the halo was on, I was 98% um, straight on my neck. So, so yeah, then it was three months with the old contraption on, which some people saw us because we had the um, AMSA banquet. So I was there. With my with my metal work on, looking good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but because I didn't realise also that um, they said I was, I was so swollen in the head from being upside down from pooling, uh, the blood pooling, that um, when I actually first time I got up to go to the loo by myself, I went in, I went into the bathroom and there's a big mirror above the the, the sink. Yeah, and I looked at it. And the first thought I had when I looked at it was my reflection, but I actually thought, holy cow, there's someone else in here. <laughs> I, I just, it didn't clock. It was me. Yeah. 
even though it was what were the chances of somebody else with a halo in a in a bathroom would be in a in a hospital but um yeah i just didn't recognize myself i was so my eyes were blood red all the white of your eyes was just blood red and um, my whole face was just like um blacks purples green yellows from all the pooling of the blood yeah i looked like a raccoon because underneath my eyes was just black from the from the blood what was still in there and yeah i just totally didn't recognize myself that's uh, intense i've got a bit yeah it, it makes you jump a bit and then you then i stood there for i don't know how long it was but i stood there and just looked in the mirror and and trying trying to figure out if it was really me or just someone else dressed up like playing a prank on you kind of thing so it was yeah so yeah so i was in in hospital for oh, six days then come home that's crazy the they got got me up i could walk around they took me to a flight of stairs i could go up and down there and because i didn't have any like dressings to change or or burns or anything like that which had to be ended I had a halo on, what was I going to do? I'd either lay in bed there or I'd come home and lay on the sofa kind of thing. It was no different to them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, and then it was three months with that on, not sleeping properly, not really in pain, but you couldn't lay flat. You had to lay, I had to be minimum was 30 degrees. So we brought a big, um, like a medical wedge which was 30 degrees and I could have, couldn't have anything touching the back of my like skull. Um, so it was, it's funny. It started off uncomfortable. And at the end, it was a pretty good thing to have on because you could sit anywhere and sleep and your head didn't <laughs> drop anywhere. So, <laughs> so it was pretty good that way. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, I'd say it was an experience and I wouldn't say anybody else, really should try it because it's it's not that fun but it was just a it was just a bad split second um in 2019 which put me on a bit of a different little bit of a different course but i wasn't down about it you have a couple of, you, even when you're fitting that you have down days but i had a couple of days when i just sat here and felt a bit sorry for myself but apart from that we weren't too bad and then yeah and then the the next surgeon actually said it was a 2% survival rate. He said I should have either, the way the, the bones were broken, it was um, similar to being decapitated, the way, because okay. of the way they broke. So he said I should have been paralyzed from the neck down and suffocated in the in the, in the vehicle. Oh, I shouldn't wow. have even got out of the vehicle alive. Uh, so that's, that's a bit, um, of an eye opener. Um, so yeah, it seems to be now <laughs> since the accidents, my tolerance levels for idiots in life isn't that high anymore. I used to sort of put up with it, but I'm not that good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've earned the right to be a crotchety old man now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm the right age, but I'm getting into the age bracket. I like that. This is perfect timing. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so it was, um, it was, yeah, three months with the halo on. And then, um, like Melissa was, um, gearing up to go to Portugal for the ISDE, um, six days. Um, 
So I know you chatted a bit about ISDs with yeah. um, Jared. So yeah, Melissa was going to Portugal on the ladies' team. Uh, she went to France two years earlier, um, but yeah, she wanted another go. So we've been gearing up. So poor old Melissa had all that to put up with. She we had she had to put up with me. We couldn't do nothing. Um, all the insurance stuff we were trying to go through, um, getting all that sorted out, um, sorting out my going to appointments because I couldn't drive. So going to the appointments, get this halo tightened up and checks and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then she was also prepping to go to Portugal for an ICE, which isn't a small thing to commit to. No, nope. and it's hard work just in a normal. If it was just a normal year, it's it's hard work and a lot of commitment. And then she got all this on top. So she was an absolute trooper looking after it and actually doing this. She went away and done the corduroy and she wrapped up the number one title for off-road in Canada and then come back. And then, yeah, she flew out a week before it started because I had to go out and prep, get the bikes and walk the stages. And then um, I went back to the... Um, I, I went back to the surgeon or the next specialist. I had all the checks. Um, they took the halo off, um, put me in that brace, and I said to him, I said, oh, can I travel now? And he said, oh, yeah, you can travel. You're fine as long as you feel comfortable. I said, yeah, I feel comfortable. And he said, oh, why, where are you going? I said, oh, tomorrow evening I'm flying to Portugal to go and see Melissa. And he went, oh, no, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I said, no, but medically, I... I'm showing my neck's okay. I can travel. And they were going, well, yes, it is. But we wouldn't recommend it. And I said, I wasn't looking for recommendations. I said, medically, I can travel. And I said, I need a letter off you saying that. So my health insurance covers me. So they gave me the letter, but, oh, they weren't happy. But, yeah, the next next evening, yeah, I was on a flight from Calgary to London. And then London down to Portugal. So I flew in down there and had the yeah we had a done six days i it was nice because it was sunny and warm so i could set a chair up see melissa off melissa they start about like seven thirty in the morning so i'd yeah. get up we'd go there i wasn't a lot of use because i wasn't allowed to pick anything over a, a two liter bottle of water that kind of weight i wasn't allowed to pick anything up like that over that so but i could be there just to help her and sort of be someone for her to lean on because Mentally, it's pretty stressful the sixth day. Every day you're getting up, riding eight hours at your limit. So you need a shoulder to cry on or just like vent or whatever. And um, so that's what I was doing. But yeah, so she'd start. I'd wave her off and then go to the cafe, get some breakfast and then get a chair, get in the sun and just sit there and sort of like sleep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Until she comes back in, I'd set an alarm, wake up. She'd come in, um, do a check, see her, send her off again. Then I'd go back and sit in the chair, sit in the sun and chat to people. And and then she'd be back like sort of like 5.30 in the evening, do a final 20 minutes of changing tires and airfield, blah, blah, blah. And then she'd put the bike in the park for mate. And then, yeah, then we'd have just a quiet evening, go and cook some supper and quiet evening. And so we had six days of that. And then we stayed on three days down there and had a bit of a holiday. And then on the way back, we stopped in England and went and saw the mates and I hadn't seen for 10 years. Uh, had a couple of good nights out with them. 
and then yeah, come home, and then it was yeah, three months with a neck brace on, which I don't know if you've ever had a neck brace, but no. the most uncomfortable thing in the world. I I would have preferred to have another six, another three months with the halo on. It was that bad. Oh really? It was a horrible thing. Yeah, because I was supposed to sleep with it. I'd wake up in tears because just pushing your jaw up all night so your teeth are like tight against it so all your jaw aches, all your teeth aches it. Then it pushes up to like the hinge of your jaw which is in your ear, like up by your ear. Yeah. And that's all her. And so in the end I'd actually, luckily it was in a two piece so I could take the front piece off and just sleep on my back with the back piece supporting the back of my neck. So yeah, so I wouldn't go through the worst bit of that whole accident was that neck brace. I hated that with a vengeance. Crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. so mundane yeah. of a thing, but I guess by then yeah. you're over it all anyway. Like, Oh, that neck brace was just horrible. But yeah. And the, and the funny thing is when they took the halo off, um, they don't let you keep it. <laughs> they, they sanitize it and put it on someone else. So I thought, oh, I'm going to have that. And I said, oh, do I get that? And they said, well, why do you want this? And I said, well, put up on in my garage for a big moment in my life, got it. Oh no, this will get this will get sanitized and put on someone else. Holy cow. That's <laughs> I just paid Yeah. And it was a lot of money I to we had to pay for it on the I know it went through the insurance, but it was I think something like three and a half grand. Yeah, but I mean if you could sell a dirt bike five times, why would you only sell it once? <laughs> like yeah. that's the Well yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it would have been quite a good memento. Yeah, oh, guaranteed. They should, yeah. Let you, they should let you have the option to keep it. But Yeah, uh, we pay for it. But no, so, and then, yeah. And the funny thing is, like, like, I had my bike in the back of the van through all this and oh. not a scratch on it. Really? Not a scratch. It broke one of the actual um, tie-downs, um, actually snapped, actually broke the, the webbing. So it, it was, yeah, the mates, they, they cleared the van out when I was, taken off in the ambulance and there wasn't a scratch on my bike and what was it like a month later Melissa said oh can I just take your bike out I said yeah of course you can and took it out and she put a, a little dent in the front pipe he's like Christ <laughs> I, robbed, I robbed the van three times and stuffed it in the ditch with this thing didn't put a scratch on it you took it out for one ride That's and awesome. put a dent in the bike so but yeah it's yeah it, it, it's funny because the ride we done that night with the two mates, it seems what well, it is years ago now, and it feels like they're in my memory. But the accident is still like I'd done it like yesterday. I get it. All the noise, the feelings, and everything. Yeah, it's. But I don't have nightmares about it, and I don't. <laughs> I'm not bitter against the poor girl who done it. She was just wrong place, wrong time. I don't know. Yeah, careless. Yeah, she. Yeah, it was just. A mistake. We all make mistakes, but luckily, it's not always in that kind of that kind of a results from it. Yeah. So I don't know bitterness against her. She's 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 gone through quite a bit. Um, I just look on it. It was lucky she hit me, and they they said a lot of the surgeon says a lot of the survival I survived was because of the neck muscles, and I was pretty fit from riding. Because um, that that winter from 2018-29, I'd put a lot of work in, and I was about as, as fit as 
I've ever been. So, and they said that was a big factor what saved me. But yeah, I just I just think it's lucky she hit me, and not a like a Dodge Caravan with a family coming out from the plane if they'd been out there hiking or something because she would have wiped that whole whole family out kind of thing. Which then you got to live with that. Yeah. Where at the minute she just got to live with she hurt some poor old fella kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So there was there was something you said that was really interesting when you were describing. Uh, the accident. And yeah. that was that uh, with your left hand, it took you all your strength to, to hold onto your trousers. Um, yeah. And what would make you think to grab your trousers so that your hand wouldn't go out the window? Uh, I I don't know. It slipped off the, the steering wheel, and that's the first thing I thought. I've got to get it down and grab. I just thought grabbing, trying to grab my trousers to stop it going out the window. So, because... It's strange because you watch um, a lot of stuff, and when they're rolling stuff where the cars might roll in accidents, like um, like a lot of those off-road Baja stuff, when they roll, they just hang on for dear life, so their hands don't fly everywhere. Yeah. And for some reason, that's what I was thinking. I thought, oh, I really don't want my hand to go out the window and get wrenched off because that's that's all I think was going to happen to me. If I could keep my hand inside, I'd be fine we just like walk away from this or I'd go and good job. I didn't get out of the van. Cause even when I was stuck in there, I was telling them to get me out. Cause I wanted to kill them. Cause I didn't know it was a, a early yeah, 20 yeah. woman. But the problem was I was so fired up that it was, it was a good job. They didn't let me out. Cause I might have actually done some severe damage to a kind of thing for doing that to me. <laughs> yeah. So it <laughs> yeah. It's, <clears throat> It's strange because um, I'm not a violent person, but at that moment I could have killed someone. I, 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 I had it was I was so fired up that I don't know if I would have stopped with just like one punch or something. It was it was a frightening side of my persona kind of thing. Yeah, it's the but, yeah, yeah. I just thought if I couldn't if I if I could keep my hand in the in the vehicle, once it all stopped, I could get out. And I did. I just that was that was a scary thing was losing an arm. So if I lose my arm, that's gonna be that's gonna suck in it for riding dirt bikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Could could make you one that they let you clutch and brake on the same side, but oh you, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, be able to do everything. Yeah. Well, we went to a practice track in the UK. On the bikes went, and um, there was a bloke there who was one armed, and he had his false arm, and it clipped onto um, like a little ball. He he sort of welded on the end of his handlebar. Yeah, and he was he was going pretty damn good out there as well. So, but yeah, like you said, I, I don't know why that split second my hand slipped off. I thought shit, I don't want to lose an arm, so I was trying to grab a trouser leg to try and keep it in the vehicle. That's fair, but. Yeah. Even with that, it somehow got twisted right behind the driver's chair, and that's how come I got a broken shoulder. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. But and is- yeah, they done and they done nothing for the shoulder. They just said, "Oh yeah, you got a broken shoulder," and then because the neck was the important thing, so I had three months of the halo pushing down on that. So <laughs> once we did with the physio, holy cow, no range of motion in my shoulder. 
or anything. So I had to do a lot of lot of work to get even a normal range of motion back into my shoulder. So that was a lot of lot of physio and a lot of exercises because they let me start on the shoulder before we could start on the neck. Before I got the okay to start physio on the neck, but yeah, that was a lot of work. So, but no, so we're nearly nearly back to it again. But That's we were awesome. back to it. Yeah, and then that second car accident really knocked me sideways. So, <laughs> That's so there you go. So it's been a bit of a bit of a rough. Year and a bit. <laughs> no doubt. So one of the nice things that happened out of your um, your accident uh, was the the forty six uh, sixty three number plate sort of drive. Oh yeah, like at that. the um, um, MRSI race, wasn't it? The AMDA race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was trying to get out for that. I, I wanted to get out for it because. Um, um, it was supposed to be a secret and someone dropped the ball and um, I found out and I wanted to get there, but I I just, just the car journey out of there, out to Fallen Timber would have done me in. That would have been me finished. I would have been crying when I got there and then you've got to get me back out again. That's so, right. but, it was pretty, but I did hear, yeah, I hear, um, it was funny because I, um, um, I was talking to Anne who was doing like the manual scoring for that race. Yeah. And she said it was a nightmare because everybody was 63 kind of thing. So <laughs> they, had no, they had no backup for Mitch's um, electronic scoring because she said everybody had 63 on the front of their bike. She goes, it was just like a waste of time. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, she's got like a specific skill set to see the number and then she's got to look for a second number. It just... Yeah, you've got to look on the side panel instead of the yeah. front where usually the side panels you, you sort of semi-covering it with your boots or legs or something. So she said it was an absolute nightmare to do the manual scoring for the backup. But That's awesome. It was, it was very um, um, it was very humbling how the race community got together for us. I, I didn't, I, like, I know like a lot of people and I know there's, there seems to be, and I'm very surprised and, it, and it, it's, it's very nice and it's, it, and it, and it's something um, uh, a bit strange to me that how many people do know like me or, or heard of my name or something. Yeah. Uh, but it was very humbling how all the, like AMSA got together and done that, uh, Rocky Mountain got together and done something and even the PN in BC uh, got together. And it was that was one of the hardest things emotionally to um, it's hard to describe how to um, process. Yeah, was just how many people um, wanted to help, wanted to support. Because like I, I know I ride dirt bikes. I know it's a big family, and we do know a lot of people in dirt bikes, and know of a lot of people, but. I I ride dirt bikes because I enjoy it. I enjoy the people with the same sort of mentality because you've got to be slightly nuts to spend all that money on a machine and then just throw it down a hill and just and then you all laugh and go, yeah, that's brilliant. Let's do it again. <laughs> or if you sort of said to a, a Harley rider who's just spent what ten grand on a new fat boy or whatever, 
and said, now for fun, just throw it down the road. Isn't this fun? They just look at you like you're a complete idiot. But that's, in an essence, what dirt biking is. We go and pay 10 grand for a bike. And the first ride out of it, you might have it cartwheeling down a hill and you go, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just buy another new lever and I'll do that next week and we'll do it again. And so, it's, so mentally, we're not all sane anyway because we're doing this stupid sport. So, yeah. So it, so you're all on the same level. So, but it was just the the messages, and it it was, it was even Melissa said she had to turn her phone off while I was in hospital because it, it was just overwhelming for her. And I didn't have my phone until I sort of got home, got out of the hospital. They found it. They did find my phone. And now, yeah, when I charged it and turned it on, it was just. It took me. Oh. Took me nearly a full day, day and a bit to actually go through all the messages of people. Um, and it's strange, there was a lot of people who'd actually messaged me, and I, I feel a little bit ashamed um, that I, I don't know who they are. It, it's, it, I, I feel quite ashamed on that bit because um, they've gone to an effort of picking up their phone or whatever and, and writing a message and I don't know who they are. And, mm. But for some reason they felt compelled to write me a message and, and it's and I, and I feel ashamed of myself that I don't know these people but they've reached out to me after after this accident and it's yeah that this is this was one of the hardest things, and it still is quite hard, and it, and it's still quite, yeah. Um, I just get upset with myself. I I think am I that much of a selfish person that I don't know these people? I know you can't know everybody, but they somehow known me, um, and they and they took they took a bit of time of their day which everybody's got busy lives. They've all got things to do. They've got all their own problems. And they 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 took that five, ten minutes out of their life and actually wrote me a message. And um, I, I just feel very humbled by that, that people took that time and, and did that. And it's, and it's something I struggle with. I just... I just sometimes think, am I a bad person for not knowing these people kind of thing, for not for not knowing who they are. They they know me. They've gone out of their way to sort of do their bit, but I I I don't know them. It's um it's a strange it's a strange feeling to be in for that. It's um yeah, like I said, I feel a, a little bit ashamed about that one. Oh. And something is hard. It's one of the hard things. Um, since the accident, I've, I've sort of struggled to sort of process. And then with COVID and not doing the races, I didn't even have a chance to meet all these people. Really, I I, I, I sort of saw them at the Amber banquet, um, but that was only a little part of the the people of who sent their support or helped. Um, at like that race 
where they all brought 63 plates or the Rocky Mountain where they done their bit and then the PN. So it's, um, yeah, it's, um, that's, that's one of the hardest things to, to sort of sort out. Am I, am I a bad person for that, for not knowing all these people or is it just I've made good or bad, uh, that kind of impact in the racing community. Um, <laughs> that's probably more where it's at. Like, it's just that you, you have a bit of renown. So people know who you are of you or what have you. And then, um, and like the community's pretty tight and small. So if anything happens to one rider, I mean, the race community, yeah. everybody would know about it. Yours is a pretty yeah. dramatic story. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it is, but it, it's just something, like I said, I found hard to process kind of thing. I, I know, I know, like what you're saying um, about the race community and, and it's small and, and yeah, but it's it's just something I've, I've struggled to process kind of thing, try to sort out in, in my mind kind of thing. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's still quite emotional when I, when I think about it or talk about that bit, the the crash, I got no problems. I got no like um, real emotions. It, it, I I think I've sort of carried, um, put it into a place where it, it was just an event, yeah, kind of thing. It was it was neither a good event or I don't even see it as a bad event. It was just uh, an event which happened. Now I had no control. It wasn't my choice. So it was just an event what happened. So um so uh, that's how I, I that's how I think about the accident. I'm, I'm not I'm not hating anybody, I'm not angry at anybody, I'm not I'm not um sitting in my own like pity party, um, saying why me shouldn't it be me. But the thing about the people who took their time to message or support or buy the sixty threes or whatever um, that seems to get me more emotionally than than the accident. So it's something I still get upset about. Um, um, so and I, it might always might do because you always you always think. I know I'm not the. <laughs> um, I know I'm not always the. I'm not always the best person, kind of thing. I can be. I can be an arsehole. Everybody can be an arsehole. So yeah. if you want to, if you, like I said, and I'm even worse now, but you know, I can be pretty blunt if, to people if I have to be. So maybe that's how they know me. Maybe they said something or done something and I was pretty blunt to them. Uh, but <laughs> I, hope, I hope not. <laughs> you never know, man. That's always my thoughts. Like yeah. I, I, I'm a nice guy most of the time, but then I have like an equally, uh, oh yeah, opposite side, and I'm just yeah. as free to share either one. So yeah. if someone yeah. knows me, I'm always like, "Fuck, how do you know me?" Like... Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm before the accident, I was never the best for names and faces. I'd recognize face, I'd recognize people. Yeah, but putting names to faces, I am, I am horrible. I always have been. If we go out, yeah. This is going. Oh, that's so and so. I said, "Well, I recognize them and didn't know the name. Oh, you know them." All this lot, so oh, I'm man. terrible at names of faces, but I recognize the faces. Yeah, well, I, I know I'm horrible because we were standing four feet from each other at Wild Rose talking to each other, 
uh, while we're watching Spencer try to get up some stupid rock. And uh, <laughs> then the next day, we were even that evening, I think we were talking to each other over Instagram, like, so when are we going to get together? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't worry. What the hell's man. going on? Yeah. And just like some people, yeah. I know them <clears throat> in their full moto gear. Yeah. And if we were going to pass each other in a mall, I would have no idea. Uh, no, no. And, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then, then they'll suddenly change. So you get used to them, don't you? And then they'll change their bike or they'll change their crash hour and they'll come up, like, fully kitted up with kitted goggles. They'll go, oh, how are you doing? He goes, who the hell is that? And <laughs> yeah. they take the goggles on and go, oh, you, you got a new crash hour or something. And you think, Christ, I didn't recognize them. Or, yeah, like you said, you always, you know a lot of people in their motor gear on their bikes or whatever. And then, yeah, you go to a mall and you could walk. You were standing right next to me in a queue, and you wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, you got it, man. So it's just, <laughs> and I don't think anybody takes offense. Like it is what it is. No, like no, it's it's the same all over, isn't it? it, it yeah. Everybody's the same. Like everybody, because when do we usually see each other? It's usually at the races, yeah, or at the track or whatever. And and usually you're in gear. Yeah, yeah. you don't usually see each other out of, sort of out of gear. And, and when we do, it's usually in the evening when it's dark and we're all around campfires. Yeah, and getting drunk. Yeah, that's <laughs> so it, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> the whole thing's a bit of a dream, and then just whatever. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, no, so it's, um, yeah, it's been, yeah, like I said, that, that's, that's the bit. Yeah, so, yeah, I did, did uh, like, since this second accident, yeah, I've, I've been into darker places with the concussion, so, yeah, we've, we've been going to see someone about that and, and chatting about that so trying to get that cleared up and then um, yeah so now we just got to try and get ourselves sorted out get ourselves signed back fit from the doctor and get back on with it that's sweet and how yeah. long do you think it's going to be before you're back to riding uh, I don't know I've officially signed off at the minute till June okay um, we've got some bits still to sort out on me um, but um, we're we're looking forward. We're looking forward now. I imagine. Um, yeah, the accident. Everybody said, "Oh, 2019 was a bad year." When now I was having an absolute superb year. I just had one bad, one bad um, split second yeah. of that year, kind of thing. So different five uh, minutes. 20, that's it. Yeah, 2019 was going so well. I was winning the AMSA championship and vet masters. I've won two classes at Shane's Rad Cross that year. We'd been down to Texas for the Rev Limiter. I won the the forty five plus A class and qualified for the hot bats for the for the Sunday pro race and yeah, everything was going good. And yeah, and then just one split second at the wrong place at the wrong time. And and that was sort of that was the bad part of the year, and then the rest of the year was just knuckling down and get myself out of that halo and back to fitness. So it was, it wasn't like after the accident was bad. It was just it was just a different mindset to do a different goal. Yeah, where the goal before was was like work hard, get the paychecks, go racing, win championships, ride with your mates, and push yourself. And then it changed from that to just getting yourself fit, getting everything healed, and and getting back to a state that you could fling a leg across a, over a bike again. So, 
it 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 wasn't a bad. It it was you could just say it was an experience. That's fair. I'd say so. It's just um, I don't see it as a bad experience. It was just an experience which you have to pull your big boy pants up and um, get on with. Yeah, because that's what you've been dealt. So get on with it and and get it done. And and I did. But then, yeah. So I got back to work, got back riding, and then like I collapsed four times at work with my ankle. It just some felt like someone had stabbed me in the ankle. Okay. So I had to go and see the doctor. They done X-rays and MRI and found some stuff wrong in there. And that's what I got signed off for. I had to have six weeks in an air cast and I had to wait to see a surgeon and go through other tests. And so we're still waiting, waiting on that. So so then that was from the first accident. And then that second accident come along and knocked me back quite a bit further. So we got, we still got some work to do, but I'm pretty, pretty up for the challenge. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Thank we'll you. be back, and yeah, I think this year, even if we did start racing, I'm not in a fit state to actually um, make a push on the races. I'm like, if if they do happen, I expect a lot of them I'll be going and just sweeping or or helping out, kind of that kind of way, because physically, strength, fitness, endurance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, are nowhere near right for me. Yeah, to be pounding, trying to chase after Shane, um, like Shane Cuthbertson, yeah. who you talked to a little while ago. I'm, I'm not up to that level of chasing him down because he's hard enough to chase down when you're fully fit. And he's going to say, <laughs> <laughs> and right on it, he, he's a hard case to chase through the woods. He is. He's like a ghost in the woods. You'll see him for a split second, then he's gone, and then you'll spend the whole rest of the race trying to find him, kind of thing. He's um, he's. He's pretty mustered out there in the woods. That's um, awesome. But on the Enduro Cross track, yeah, I, fan- I fancy my chances against him, but that's because that's what I'm, I'm pretty good at. But yeah, yeah, we've had some good ding-dongs on the Enduro Cross track, smashing bars into each other, <laughs> me and Shane at the AMA ones and down at Orofino and stuff. So yeah, we have a good time on the Enduro Cross track, but in the woods, holy cow, he's got to have a problem for me to... Stay with him. He is quick. Oh yeah, uh, but such a such a nice family. Yeah, him and the, him and the two boys and Charla. Yeah, they've always like Shane. Like when we first come over here in two thousand nine, when I first got the big bike, it was um, it sort of Shane, um, Jay, Nick Rewe, um, Lee Freiberger. Like they they were the corner grass team. Um, they sort of the ones what invited me out and took me out on rides and, and sort, of, sort of like really got me into the, into the, that sort of side of things over here. Yeah. Cause like I said, I come over and started on trials straight away and was in with the trials a lot and like second gear cause they were doing trials. So I met Siggy and Rhonda and Scott and Kathy and all that lot, um, Steve Dole. And then, yeah, once I got the big bike, that's uh, inside with Shane and then Shane got a trials bike so we'd be at the track riding together helping each other out kind of thing but yeah on a trials bike yeah I'm okay with Shane like, but like I said once we hit those those woods cross countries hair scrambles even the pros have trouble holding that boy back yeah. he's um, 
he's he's a top rider. He's going to be a top rider for quite a few years because now his boys are coming up through. He's he's riding with them and they're pushing him. So he's going to be up there for a good number of years yet. And it's good to see. It's good to see that, that they're, they're doing that. Yeah. My chat with him was sort of of that nature, just like uh, whatever. He took a break and he came back and he's racing in the pro class and he was like chasing down Tristan Hart or whatever. And that's when he realized yeah. like he could do it. But he doesn't have the time to yeah, to dedicate, dedicate to, to stay at that yeah. level. And Tristan is just dedicated at that level, so he's just like so. Oh. I had to get into a different class, but I yeah, you know, yeah, he, he hasn't lost. Yeah, because he um yeah when he came out of the pros, he went down to forty eight because we didn't have the vet masters in yeah. the um in the um amateur championship. I was thirty eight, and he jumped into forty eight. So. I kept, they kept trying to kick me out of 38 because I was 40 odd. And I said, oh no, I can be 40A, 30A, expert if I want to. I said, I've got all these choices because of the age. Yeah. I said, so you can't just kick me out of 38 because 38 is 30 plus. It's not 30 to 39 or anything. I said, so I can stay in. So I did stay in 38 a bit because there's a few people didn't like me there. And then. Yeah, AMSA got together and so they, they opened up the Vet Masters. So it wasn't um, it wasn't overly fair that the pros, you could finish as a pro and then you'd step straight down into a 40A or 30A where those boys are trying to um, race their championships and that and then we'd spoil their points and everything. So the Vet Master was a good, good add to the classes. It's made that... It's a top bracket um, uh, class for the for us older boys, really. Yeah, <laughs> for over thirty kind of thing. So, if you didn't want to be messing with the youngsters in in experts, um, you went vet masters because we're the line behind the experts. So you could still go up and catch them and actually get amongst them, but you weren't actually on the start line with banging them. bars with them. Where the, where the vet masters is a little bit. Um, Little, little bit more, um, less bangy on the first couple of corners. We usually get ourselves in the line and then we start racing. Kind of thing. It's a bit more polite. It is polite. <laughs> it's nice to watch. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. There's, like, it's not yeah, really it's, as wild as the the beginner line or yeah. like. Oh, the, like the intermediate can get pretty wild because then boys are they're fighting. Um, where they're trying to get up to experts or win or whatever, and there's there's boys in there who. Got the, who can do the job, and there's people in there who think they can, and then it gets a bit wild, and it's usually a big class. And it, you've seen the the numbers on like intermediate on the start line. It's yeah, it's, it's intense. A pretty big class usually, so you know there's going to be a bit of chaos in the first corner. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just it's like madness. Like um, just yeah. I don't know. And then it, it's funny because like just out of sight, or for all the crowd, uh, everything gets sort of like. I don't know, segmented, like orderly, because it's just all thinned yeah. out, and it's just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. this this is the positions for the rest of the race, like until things change. But like the, yeah. all the chaos and drama that happens, well, we can be seen by the the crowd. Yeah, uh, yeah, on those first two, three corners before yeah. they get in, lose themselves into the wood. Yeah, it's just like everyone yeah. must think like that's the rest of the race, and it's like actually after that, it's pretty yeah. pretty mellow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They all think they're going to win the race in the first two corners when really no. there's a lot what happens out in the woods. Oh, hell yeah. 
tons and tons. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Stupid choices. Uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Line choices. Muck gear up. Mister Clutch or whatever. It, it, yeah. It's it's a lot of lot of stuff happening in there, but it, it's it's funny how like we race. So, and all the classes, like I said, they're riding at their ability, which even if you went to the beginners, they're going fast for them, for yep. their um, skill set, their experience, et cetera, et cetera. And you are going amongst trees, but you don't see as many really bad injuries in off-road as you do in like motocross. True. But I mean- we are still, like, if you go like, Pro pace like Shreg or Tristan or like um, all them pro boys, they're not far off a motocross pace. That's true. But they're actually ducking through trees. So if that goes when that goes wrong, they they haven't got a wide motocross track with runoff. They're straight into trees or rocks or whatever. But you don't see as many like big injuries off road as you do motocross. I know I know they say, oh, but if we miss the hundred foot tabletop, we're tapped out in fourth and we tumble, but even me out on some of them tracks, I'm tapped out in fifth. If that gets one kick wrong on a rock or a root or something and it's not I haven't got any runoff, it's it's straight into a tree kind of thing. So yep. so yeah, it's it's just a surprising thing of off roading that that there isn't more which is good. I'm glad I don't wish that on anybody, but it's just when you look at the two sports, it's it's a surprising thing. Yeah, man, I've clipped a tree uh, and been speared by a tree, and you know, but like the speeds have been survivable. Yeah. Like it seems like most yeah, it, most of the accidents don't happen when you're going faster. It's sort of like when you're in that middle speed. Yeah, not quite yeah. slow, not quite fast, and just like yeah, uh, the wrong deflection. Or the worst stuff is like uh, hit a little jump and then uh, you're in second gear and somehow you just tap into neutral and then <laughs> unexpected. Then it's like boom because <laughs> you yeah. you lost whatever you had. Yeah. Like, yeah, or you just clip your bark buster on a tree, then you're going down through the trees like a pinball, yeah. bouncing off every tree with the bark busters. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, afterwards it is. At the time, you were just shitting yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to survive it to laugh at it. But like, well, that's it. That's the thing. Then you laugh. Yeah. I found some kid once with a compound fracture. Uh, All right. At a race. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. Like, whatever. Not that I go to yeah. a lot of races. I'm I'm like absolutely nah. a weekend warrior. But uh, yeah, there's still yeah, not all, a lot. Like, no. Nah, all my years here, I know. Um, it's not even really a handful of people I know who've, who've like um, broken legs or something, but yeah. that's. But look at the races I go to. Exactly. Well, I think so it's how crazy. Many years I was, yeah. The 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 accidents yeah. are so few that almost everyone knows the same accidents, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's so they're yeah. so rare that the 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 story of it gets around and it's just like so yeah. the whole community knows the same seven accidents. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it's but it's crazy. surprising. Like I said, the number of races we've been to over over the years, like how many years we were doing all the answers, doing all the second gear, then we were going down to America, doing all the Eurocross races, and yeah, and then stuff in between. 
Um, oh, yeah. If you could pick up an odd PN race, we'd go there. We'd like a couple of years we done the second gear race, might be in the Yaha Tinder one, and then finish that one, pack up the van, and then we'd drive all night to the island and do their enduro cross on the island kind of thing. Okay. And then drive back that night and then go to work. So that's how, how stupid we get about it, but <laughs> so yeah. But um but yeah, it's the miles we covered and people we met, uh here in Alberta at the races and B C down into America and stuff, yeah, it's been, and like you, like we said before, you don't you don't get that many bad apples in the off-road community. Everybody seems to be pretty easygoing, chatting, and and get on with everybody. Yeah, there's not that. Of all the people I've met, all the races I've been to, there's not many. There's not many um, bad apples where a lot of people don't like them, kind of thing, because they don't last very long in the off-road community. I was going to say they get sort of pushed out. Yeah, they like, get pretty shunned pretty quickly. Yeah, you yeah. want to be irresponsible shit rocket. Um, somebody will will set you straight. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. That's the that's the thing. If it's not in the if it's not in the um, in the paddock, they'll sort they'll sort you out on the track, kind of thing. Yeah, and then yeah, or at your campsite. Like you want to shoot guns. It, yeah. Like fuck, do it yeah. responsibly. Yeah. You want to have a bonfire yeah. from gasoline. Okay. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Just make sure it's far enough from somebody else. Like, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, so. those guys tend to not like being nannied so much, and then they just don't come back. Yeah, they like, they they soon disappear. But you get a few what drift in and drift back out, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's not what so, they. Uh, it it it's so, certain, yeah. So, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say so. Yeah, so the community sort of self polices itself, but it's but like I said before. We're all on the same mentality, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, we're all there for a good time. We spent all this money, and we're sort of literally destroying it. We might as well just burn that money because. Yeah. But, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but it's not like it's like I said with the comparison with a Harley owner. We'll we'll destroy that bike and have a, so much fun doing it and laugh about it, and then we'll work. Go back to work, earn the money, buy all the bits, put it back together, and try and do it the next weekend, kind of thing. So it's yeah, it's a special kind of person. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. There's a kind of madness, like yeah, uh, yeah. You're like f- fondly retelling the story of how much money you spent. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no. all right. Well, um, uh, I've used up a lot of your time, so I'll wrap this here. Oh no, uh, and yeah. then uh, so if, is there anybody you want to thank? Like, you know. uh, thank you. Well, I think, um, yeah, uh, really thank my dad. He's not here anymore. Um, he was a big, big influence on my whole life, really riding, working, um, everything. He never stopped me doing anything, he always encouraged me. He used to call me stupid sometimes for actually trying things, but he never stopped me doing it. So, him. Mum, the whole family, Melissa, for what she had to go through with yeah. this accident. Um, she never had; she didn't have an easy ride on that. It wasn't easy for her. It mentally is. It was. I should think it was really hard. Um, very appreciative of that. Um, and then, 
yeah, the people who sort of look after us. Um, Dean at Blackfoot looked after us for six years with Peter. Peter Canada's looked after us. Um, and then just like um, everybody else who I thank when I do my Instagram posts and that. But And now Jack Carter, they, they've taken on the role of putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> now they've got a grouchier old man, but they seem to be enjoying it. So could be going far on there, but yeah, um, yeah, they're they're the they're the main ones. Um, there is other people; they know who they are. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's what I can think of. Yeah, they they take the most on it. Yeah, so that's what I'd like to thank. Yeah, <laughs> and and thank you for having me on or, or waiting for me, as I wasn't that great at getting on this. Oh, that's okay, man. I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know if it's going to be any good for you. Um, this me rambling on about stuff. Oh, it, I think it was awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank my guests for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. A special thank you to you, my supporters. Without you, this would not be possible. If you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star rating. And if you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. If this is your first time listening, I encourage you to take the three-episode challenge. Once again, thank you for your continued support, and stay tuned to find out what's coming up next time. Coming up next time, Rider Spotlight. Hey Barry, it's Al Wilson. As we were saying there, uh, the motorbike community has really been helping me out since I uh, broke my neck. Broke my neck last uh, July 17th. So getting close to the year here now, and uh, yeah, people want to people want to help me out. I do have a clothing line. It's called the 559.ca. The clothing line on there. I'm diving into the coffee business as well. It'd be super rad if uh, people could have a look at that website. Anyway, thanks, Barry. Ciao, later. Bye.